0: Well, there was a lot of excitement here in Pittsburgh when uh, President Joe Biden came to the Carpenters Union Hall out there in Collier Township to unveil his infrastructure plan. This is a long-awaited infrastructure plan, uh, depending on how you're counting, three or four trillion, that's trillion with T-R, dollar plan that includes both direct federal spending as well as tax credits. A big part of that plan, in fact, I think it's the first page of the White House proposal or near the top of the page of the White House proposal, is expanding infrastructure and... Upgrading infrastructure in transportation, uh, in particular highway construction, public transit, and railways. And there's been some excitement about that. Uh, in fact, Allegheny County Executive Rich Fitzgerald was on the CBS Evening News the other night talking about the extension of the East Busway from Rankin and Swissvale into the Mon Valley area of Allegheny County that we serve. On the line with us this morning is Emma Horst-Martz. She's advocate with the Pennsylvania Public Interest Research Group. Uh, good morning, Emma.
1: Good morning. Thanks for having me.
0: Thank you, because we're going to talk about Penn Perg also had a uh, report released this week uh, on the eve of uh, President Biden's speech, which was called Transform Transportation Strategies for a Healthier Future. Also on the line with us this morning is uh, one of our prominent public transit advocates. Laura Weins is director of Pittsburghers for Public Transit. Good morning, Laura.
2: Good morning. Thank you so much for having us
0: on. Well, well, thank you both for taking some time to talk with us. Uh, first things first, your reactions. I'll start with Emma uh, to President Biden's uh, infrastructure program that was announced here in Pittsburgh.
1: Yes, um, we were really excited to see some of the transportation and you know infrastructure investment plans announced by President Biden the other day. And it was great timing because, as you mentioned, we just released our transformed transportation report the day before. So we're happy to see a lot of the recommendations we made in terms of repairing you know, crumbling transportation infrastructure like roads and bridges, investing in clean energy public transit buses and electric vehicles and just expanding infrastructure for walking and biking around our cities. So we were happy with the plan.
0: Uh, Pennsylvania Public Interest Group too, I should point out, is not strictly a transportation group. You you cover a wide variety of uh, consumer and public interest and public health and safety issues, including the environment. And uh, I should mention that there, there is money in this plan, for instance, for uh, replacing lead water blinds, which I, I know has been an, uh, an issue that Pennsylvania Public Interest Research Group and other groups, including Penn Environment, which I think is an arm of PennPIRG, um, have advocated for, correct?
1: Yeah, exactly. We are sister organizations of Penn Environment, so we work with them closely. Um, but you're right. I mean, we work on all kinds of public interest issues, including public health, environmental issues, transportation, consumer protections. So we were also really excited to see the announcement about plans to invest in replacing lead pipes across our cities, because, you know, we have a big campaign called Get the Lead Out to make sure that kids in schools and people across our cities aren't being exposed to lead through their drinking water. So that's another important part of the infrastructure
0: plan. Laura Weens from Pittsburghers for Public Transit, uh, over to you. Uh, Pittsburghers for Public Transit has a a, a broad agenda of increasing access to transit and increasing the amount of transit. So not just where transit is, but making it more available to people. What were your thoughts on the Biden administration's infrastructure proposals?
2: Yeah, we were also um, pretty heartened by the the proposal, we think that in line with what President Binet has proposed, that there should be a significant increase in the um, amount of federal funding for transit. Um, And we appreciated that they also really spoke to the fact that um, transportation investments haven't been equitable um, and that, you know, investing in highways and and in urban renewal has really broken up communities, low-income communities, communities of color have seen, um, in particular, a lot of harm from the federal policies um over over many generations and so um you know the devil is in the details and mm. so one of the things that we're really hoping to see is that the federal money for public transit can be used not only for capital projects or like building out new you know busways or rail or whatever but also for service expansion because we know that people actually need more more service um more frequent service more quality of you know quality service and of more affordable fares um, and we also appreciated that there was a lot of um, emphasis on, on building and, and rehabbing affordable housing, which mm-hmm. actually has a really strong relationship um, to, um, uh, for low-income people, their ability to be able to access public transit.
0: Uh, Laura Waynes is director of Pittsburghers for Public Transit. Uh, can you give us your website address, Laura?
2: Yes, it's uh, www.pittsburgh4publictransit.org.
0: And also on the line with us is Emma Horst. Martz, she is an advocate with the Pennsylvania Public Interest Research Group. Uh, Emma, can you give us your uh, website address, please?
1: Sure. It's penperg, P-E-N-N, like Pennsylvania, P-I-R-G.org.
0: And we're talking about President Biden's infrastructure proposal that was uh, unveiled in Pittsburgh a few days ago. But in, more in particular, uh, the re- local re- reaction, uh, Penn Perg's Education Fund, uh, on the day before President Biden's speech, actually put out a, a report called Transform Transportation Strategies for a Healthier Future. And Emma, I want to ask you about that. And I think Laura kind of touched on it a little bit. But um, one of the surprising things to me uh, in in the report is how mm-hmm. transportation uh, and tra- access to transportation is tied to health outcomes. Can you explain that a little bit, uh, Emma?
1: Yeah. So in America, and certainly here in Pennsylvania, our transportation system was really built to serve drivers and has centered around, you know, cars and fossil fuel-powered cars in particular. So that means transportation, people driving around on roads, mm-hmm. is the leading cause of, you know, to greenhouse gas emissions across the country. And here in Pennsylvania, it's the third leading cause of greenhouse gas emissions in our state. So that has a wide array of health implications and um, has really been hurting public health across the state for decades at this point. So our priority is to sort of decentralize that system and make it as easy as possible For people to ride public transportation, like Clara was just describing, to walk around their neighborhoods, to ride bikes where possible, and if you absolutely must use a car, we want that to be an electric vehicle and make that accessible for as many people as possible in the future. That will reduce a lot of these health issues we're seeing, and of course, it'll be better for the environment.
0: One of the big issues in the Mon Valley for my entire lifetime, and and really, Probably going back a hundred years has been air quality, and oftentimes the mm-hmm. the heavy industry in the Mon Valley, in particular uh, coal-fired power plants and um, a couple of different U.S. steel facilities that are in the Mon Valley, are often blamed for low air quality. Last year, for the first time, uh, Allegheny County was in attainment, I believe, of all of its EPA, all of its EPA air quality monitors. But uh, Emma, as your report points out, um, emissions globally dropped. uh, around the world. Um, And and what was that mostly attributed to, Emma?
1: That was because of the pandemic. Um, We unintentionally embarked on a grand experiment when, you know, all of our cities went into lockdowns in the beginning of the pandemic a year ago, and people essentially stopped driving for, you know, a month in some places, longer in other places. So that meant. We just cut all those greenhouse gas emissions for that period of time, and we were able to see how much the air quality actually improved when people weren't driving in their cars all the time. So imagine what we could achieve if we did that more intentionally going forward when we're not in the pandemic.
0: Well, it's very dramatic when you see that Allegheny County finally – uh, achieved its air quality st- standards, and, and so often the blame. Yeah. And, that, and that's not to absolve industrial polluters of blame, right? But that 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 it made such a dramatic impact that we actually hit those limits. Uh, Laura Weens from Pittsburghers for public transit. How much? I mean part of transit is is equity in, in terms of getting access to jobs, getting access to health care, to social activities, to just to being around other human beings. But h- how much of your advocacy, Laura, is related to these public health issues?
2: Yeah, I mean, I think that we think about public health more broadly in the way that you're describing. It's like we say, bus lines are lifelines. And that's just, it's true, right? For transit riders, um, you take transit to access, you can take transit to access all of your basic needs. And in the absence of of good, effective, affordable transit, um, you're not making your your um, healthcare appointments, right? Like you're not able to um, find a job within, uh, you know, a 30 minute radius of your house, which means that you're, you know, or or the buses are passing you by because they're overfull. If there's not good and effective and reliable transit in your community, um, that really changes your your health co- outcomes with the whole package of the social determinants of health. Um, so we think about that a lot, um, and, and certainly also in the in the sense um, that's also being by Emma around um, the way that emissions mm-hmm. and and car uh, emissions have really impacted our communities and and their health outcomes as well.
0: We have to take a thirty second break. When we come back, I want to drill down a little bit more into what the specific transit needs, mostly in the Pittsburgh area, but uh, Emma, because your focus is statewide, also in other parts of. Southwestern Pennsylvania and Central Pennsylvania, okay?
1: Sounds good. Great,
0: thanks. We are on the line this morning with Laura Weens from Pittsburghers for Public Transit. Also with us is Emma horst Marsh. She is an advocate with Pennsylvania Public Interest Research Group. You can find them online at penpirg.org. Broadcasting from the Tube City Center for Business and Innovation in downtown McKeesport. This is Two Rivers, 30 Minutes and TubeCityOnline.com. We'll be right back. one two six seven eight six one nine one. When we took the break, we were just sort of getting into some of the public health uh, implications of uh, public transit. But um, Laura, you were telling us off the air. We, we, we talked before the break about how air quality improved, not just in the United States or Pennsylvania, but globally, because people weren't driving during the COVID nineteen pandemic. Laura, you said you have some. Uh, local evidence of that, too, from the Port Authority of Allegheny County's territory.
2: Yeah, I think I was um, sort of reflecting on Emma's comments about how when people weren't driving, we saw a, a, a significant reduction in, in emissions. And similarly, there was a, another experiment that happened last year um, when Port Authority, at the outset of the pandemic, um went to rear door boarding. We're allowing people to enter the bus on the back door um, so that they could cordon off the drivers and protect them from you know, possible exposure um, to COVID-19. And with that, the system became essentially fare-free. People didn't mm-hmm. have to pay their fares to board. Um, and so for the very first time, we saw all the people that would ride the system that need to ride transit but maybe aren't able to afford to, um, cannot afford to. Um, and certainly during this pandemic, that's highlighted a real, it's been a real economic crisis that has hit transit riders, in some cases the worst. Um, and then Port Authority reinstated full fare collection in June. Um, and with that, we saw an immediate drop-off in ridership, particularly in low-income and black communities in the Mon Valley. It was really um, stark, um, the yep. number of riders that stopped taking transit as soon as full fare collection resumed. Um, huh. So we've been saying for the, um, since then, that the Port Authority should implement a fair um, a fair relief program for low-income riders to allow people um, showing their access cards to board for free um, as a shutoff moratorium for transit and use some of the American Rescue Act money or the CARES Act money to pay for it. Um, and so we're continuing to call for that and know that not only would it have an impact on people's ability to access basic needs, but also on, on reducing emissions, stimulating the
0: economy and so on. Uh, Laura Weins is with Pittsburghers for Public Transit. Um, Emma horst Martz, is that something that you have heard either um, specifically or anecdotally in other parts of Pennsylvania, whether it's the SEPTA agency out in uh, Philadelphia or the, the Central Pennsylvania Transit Agencies?
1: Yes, PENPIRG is part of the Transit Forward Philadelphia Coalition um, doing similar organizing work as Laura and Pittsburghers for public transit, and, you know, we're partner organizations, and this is, you know, a type of policy
0: we've been discussing as well,
1: Doctor, uh, th- uh, in
0: particular. How much of transit is a need versus how much of it is a want? Because I, I think there's a perception sometimes, and I've seen this, especially in uh, some publications that I would say are more conservative, that public transit is a luxury, right? It's It's something that city dwellers, they like riding buses or they like riding light rails. But but for some people, it's a must. It's, it's the only way to get around. Is that accurate, Emma?
1: Yeah, that's definitely accurate. I think it's a total misperception that public transportation is a luxury. In fact, for many people, it is a necessity. And we should make it the primary mode of transportation in addition to walking and biking, you know, as opposed to automatically going to driving in your car. Like not everybody needs a car. Not everybody should have a car. And if there are cars on the road, then eventually, you know, they should all be electric vehicles. So public transportation is one of the most important things that we can be investing our federal infrastructure dollars in and, you know, within our state as well. So I would say it's definitely a necessity.
0: I'm going to, before we bring Laura Ween's back into the conversation, I'm going to. One highlight from the report that Penn Perg did, the Transform Transportation Strategies for a Healthier Future, is that living close to a major road, you you say, increases the chances of suffering from a stroke by 42%. I, I, is, is that stress? Is that. Air quality, or, or is is that a combination of, of the major roads often go through low-income communities? Um, what are the correlations there, Emma?
1: I would say it's the former two that you just described, okay. the combination of um, air quality that we know has negative health impacts on people, especially over a long period of time, in addition to the stress of living near a high-traffic area. Um, so, We need to make public transportation more accessible to people. And we also need to stop investing in highway and expressway expansions. A lot of times the state will invest more money in, you know, big road expansions under the guise of reducing traffic. But we've seen time and time again that that doesn't actually happen. So we should just focus on, fixing potholes and you know, repairing issues on our bridges and investing in public transit rather than expanding roadways, which have these negative health impacts on communities.
0: Yeah, I was only in engineering school for one year, but during that year of civil engineering, that is one thing they, they drill into your head is that, that traffic expands as the road capacity expands. Adding new road, new lanes of traffic, they just fill up Within 12 to 18 right. months. Uh, Laura Weins from Pittsburghers for public transit. You, you mentioned uh, a few minutes ago that th- there is a link between public transit and housing quality and housing affordability. What is that link? And, and, and I'm, I'm wondering the same thing about living close, close to a major road, increasing the risk of, of a stroke.
2: Yeah, Uh, well, I'll start with the, I I do want to just remark upon the, the transit is like a, a luxury for riders. Yeah. I mean, I think many transit riders would not say that that's their experience of taking transit. I think we need to understand that transit riders are to be celebrated. They are providing, people taking transit provide a benefit to our communities, our urban communities by keeping cars off the road, by preventing congestion, preventing, um, emissions. Um, and they should have dignified and effective services, right, to 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 get around, so that it it becomes a preferred choice um, by more folks. Um, but to your point about um, affordable housing and, and transit, I think you know I wish we could say that in our area there was a more of a direct relationship between affordable housing and transit, but unfortunately, our our land use policies, um, you know, everything around our our housing authorities or so or um, and the URA, um, the Urban Redevelopment Authority, mm-hmm. and, and our zoning laws and things like that, zoning codes, they don't have any relationship between affordable housing and public transit, which is, um, you know, is really problematic because then we are building affordable housing in in far-flung places huh. outside of the reach of, of access to transportation, um, which means that we are effectively leaving leaving low-income people stranded. Um, and so, we need to really rethink our our land use practices in order to make our transit system more effective too. By saying. Where we have really good transit, we must also build affordable housing. And conversely, wherever we have affordable housing, we must also ensure that there's quality access to transit.
0: We have another 30-second break to to take here, but uh, Laura, I want to ask you about something specifically in, in relation to that, and that is... Anecdotally, I have heard, and I think you have heard as well, that there has been an influx over the last 10 years or so of people from neighborhoods of the city of Pittsburgh, such as Lawrenceville, East, Pits- or, uh, East Liberty, um, Squirrel Hill, Greenfield, that have become gentrified where property values have, have gone dramatically up, or where in some cases major public housing projects have been demolished. People have had to move somewhere, and often they have moved out to our valley communities like Turtle Creek, McKeesport. Uh, Braddock, North Braddock, Braddock Hills, uh, Homestead, are, are you hearing the same thing as well? Because those communities are, are kind of at the end of the transit network in a lot of ways.
2: Absolutely, yep. And I think um, there's a there's a Harvard study that says that commute times are the single biggest indicator of whether or not households can come out of poverty. Um, and so wow. when we are forcing people to take hour-plus hour commutes to access um, jobs and basic services and things like that, we are condemning communities to... Um, To poverty. To stay Uh, in poverty. poverty. Yeah.
0: Let's take our break. When we come back, I want to talk about the upcoming funding crisis in Pennsylvania public transit that that is sort of looming on the horizon. The budget is already – state budget is already in trouble. Um, And also talk about your your both – your kind of wish lists for what you would like to see if – um, the Biden administration is able to get its infrastructure plan passed, okay?
2: Sounds good.
0: Sounds good. Uh, Emma horst is an advocate with the Pennsylvania Public Interest Research Group, penperg.org, P-E-N-N-P-I-R-G.org. Also on the line with us is Laura Wiens. She is director of Pittsburghers for Public Transit. From the Tube City Center for Business and Innovation in downtown McKeesport, this is Two Rivers, 30 Minutes. We'll be back in 30 seconds to wrap things up.
1: Are you aware that currently 20% of veterans regardless of era served, suffer from PTSD alone, and an average of 20 veterans commit suicide daily? So if you're a veteran suffering with these issues and need to talk, call Operation Vet Now, or OVN, at 1-800-273-8255 and press 1 or visit opvetnow.org.
0: We're talking about the Biden administration's infrastructure proposal that was unveiled in Pittsburgh. We're also talking about Penn Perg's report that came out this week, called "Transform Transportation Strategies for a Healthier Future." Uh, Emma Martz from uh, Penn Perg, um, the Biden administration. I'm looking for the figure right now as I'm talking here. It's not good radio. I apologize for that. I think it's a uh, $105 billion backlog, they estimate, for public transit in the United States. And uh, the president is calling on Congress to invest $85 billion to modernize existing transit and help agents expand their systems. That would essentially double the federal funding for public transit. Um, uh, Emma, from your perspective, overlooking the state uh, statewide issues—not just Pittsburgh, but Philadelphia, Harrisburg, Erie, Scranton—is is that is that going to be enough? Is doubling the funding going to be enough?
1: It's a good start. Uh-huh. I think we'll we'll need more in the future, but um, we think this is a good start to the federal investments. And then here in Pennsylvania, we have a more specific problem as well, where the policy that helps direct State funding to public transportation agencies across the state. Um, That is going to expire in 2022, so next year, which means that we will lose billions of dollars for public transportation agencies in Pennsylvania from our own state funding. Mm -hmm. So that is a big issue that we're calling on state legislators to start planning for now so that we don't lose access to public transit while we need more people to be using it.
0: Uh, Does that funding, Laura Weens from Pittsburghers for Public Transit? Am I correct in remembering that some of that funding comes from tolls on the Pennsylvania Turnpike?
1: Yeah. So
2: the Pennsylvania Turnpike pays into it. It's um it's called Act eighty nine. And what happens next year is that um, the obligation from the Turnpike goes down to just fifty thousand dollars. Or sorry, uh, fifty fifty million dollars. Okay. And the rest of the money has to be um, paid out from the general fund. And we know that when uh, legislators are legislating over transit funding every year. That results in service cuts, um, shutdowns, and layoffs for workers, and um, fare hikes. So that's something we're hoping to avert.
0: Let me play devil's advocate. I know we're running out of time, so so I apologize. This question is a little bit unfair, but there are we have listeners in Washington County, in Westmoreland County, in Beaver County. Uh, the, one of the radio stations is in the northern panhandle of West Virginia. A lot of them probably never see a bus. In their community, they, they may leave it out in the more of a rural area, and they're going to ask, why should I be paying higher tolls on the turnpike or increased taxes to fund transit systems in Pittsburgh or Greensburg or Scranton or Philadelphia? What's the response to that, Laura?
2: Yeah, so I think a number of responses to that. One is that they probably do have transit in their region. Um, there's paratransit and fixed route transit in almost every county in the in the state. Sure, um, what
0: we call access sometimes. In
2: Virginia. Sure, yeah, access. Um, and and so there are folks that rely on those services in their communities. I think the other major reason is that uh, transit is an economic driver, and so it produces a lot of um, revenue um, through a lot of means, including helping people get to their jobs and be able to generate um, and income taxes, um, the state and then get dispersed, especially to small. Having this important economic engine in our major cities actually provides a lot of revenue for smaller counties across the state.
0: Uh, Laura, before we turn this over to Emma and I ask her some of the same questions, let me ask you, you this. What would be on your wish list if? If everything was a perfect system and, and you could pick and choose what you wanted from the Biden infrastructure plan, you, you talked about the fair moratorium or a fair reduction or cutoff for people who are lower income uh, riding public transit. Uh, extension of the East Busway, I know, has been has been on the agenda. In fact, like I said at the beginning of the program, Rich Fitzgerald was on the CBS Evening News talking about extending the busway to M- Monroeville and, and McKeesport, essentially. Uh, what What would be some other Hello. wish list?
2: Absolutely. That's one of our top priorities. We've been in the process over the last several years. We've had a participatory planning um, uh, process with riders from the Mon Valley and eastern suburbs for doing just that, the extension of the East Busway and how it could be oriented in a way that best benefits um, riders to be able to access their critical needs. And so we have a proposal um, that we are uplifting, and we're heartened to hear local um, politicians like Richard um Representative Davis as well, mm-hmm. um, really um, putting those to the fore as as projects that should be funded by the Biden administration.
0: Uh, Emma Horst-Martz, um, w- w- what are some of your wish lists? If, if it was a perfect world and you were able to pick and choose what Pennsylvania's biggest needs are, what, what would you like to see in terms of public transit funding?
1: Well, the top three goals that we laid out in our Transform Transportation Report released just the day before President Biden mm-hmm. announced his, his plan, um, the first is to double the number of people who are able to travel by foot bike, or public transit by the year 2030. Mm -hmm. Our second goal is to push U.S. transit agencies and school districts to replace all transit and school buses with clean electric buses by the year 2030. And the final goal is to ensure that all light-duty cars, so regular cars Mm -hmm. for driving and trucks, are electric vehicles after the year 2035.
0: If folks want to get a copy of that uh, report, Emma, wh- where should they go to find it?
1: They can go to our website, penperg.org.
0: And uh, Laura Weens from Pittsburgh's for Public Transit, you have an event, I think, coming up uh, at the end of April that people can get involved with. Can you tell us about that very briefly?
1: Yeah, so we're
2: building a, a statewide coalition of transit riders and transit workers around to build a platform that is inclusive of um, all of our needs, that's, okay. that's progressive, right? So that doesn't tax Joe every man. Um, uh, who is already, you know, struggling through the pandemic. So if you want to be part of that, we have a, a big statewide meeting on April 28th from 7 to 8.30. You can find more about it on our website at www.pittsburghforpublictransit.org. Uh,
0: Laura Weins is director of Pittsburgh for Public Transit. And also on the line with us this morning has been Emma Horst-Martz. She is an advocate for Pennsylvania right. Public Interest Research Group. That's Penn Perg. Uh, Emma, thank you for joining us this morning.
1: Thank you for having me. And,
0: and Laura, thank you for, for joining us as well.
1: appreciate it.
0: And thank you all for listening this week to Two Rivers 30 Minutes, broadcasting from the Tube City Center for Business and Innovation in downtown McKeesport. So long for now. You've been listening to Two Rivers 30 Minutes, copyright Tube City Community Media Incorporated. Opinions expressed on this program are not those of Tube City Community Media Incorporated. Listener support makes this program possible. If you'd like to make a tax-deductible contribution, please visit our website at TubeCityOnline.com and click on the donate link.